This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Justice and Dixon, private investigations. Uh-huh. Is that the way we answer the telephone? Come on, Trix. Don't give me that. I tried to warn you. When exactly did you try and warn me? When you were clucking like a chicken? All right, so I'm warning by example. Don't make me do this. A warning for future generations, as it were. This is ridiculous. I'm not doing it. Justice. Justice. Is that a Welsh name? I never Welsh on a bet in my life. Are you gonna start now? I hate you. Good. Now I'll call right back and you answer the phone like a good little secretary. One of these days I'm gonna fix her little red wagon. Trixie Dixon Detective Agency. Music to my ears. Don't get too used to it. You got three more days of this coming, then I get emancipated. Aim for the stars, Angel. Who knows, maybe one day you'll get the right to vote. Meantime, I'll be right down to dictate my report. Me, sweetheart. Why do you keep saying that? Don't you worry your pretty little head about it. What happened down at headquarters? Patience, Angel. All will be revealed. Just bring me a cup of Costa Rica and scoot your little notepad over here. I'm not going to have to sit on your knee, am I? I thought I might prefer to retain the use of my legs, actually. Give us a light, would you? Since when do you smoke cigars? Since you have to light them for me. When did I ever ask you to do any of these things? Not the point, precious. This is on behalf of the sisterhood. Swell. Are you sitting comfortably? Do you care? Not in the least. Two, Lieutenant Victor J. Sabian, homicide. Date, fill it in. From Trixie Dixon, girl detective, license number 77777. Subject, the purloined format caper. The what? Don't interrupt. Dear Lieutenant Sabian, it is my sincere hope that this report will assist you in explaining to your superiors the recent bumper crop of corpses among the city's hoi polloi, as well as the presence of one of the hoiest polloiest of them all in your holding cells. To say nothing of the bill your department will be receiving for one pair of silk stockings ruined while in the pursuit of justice. No, not that one. Though, speaking thereof, please excuse the numerous spelling and typographical errors which I am sure this report will contain, as I am breaking in a new secretary. Down, boy. It all started bright and early Tuesday morning with a knock at the door of the agency's spacious digs. I consider it a good sign when somebody knocks on the office door rather than just walking in. Not only is there a particular old-world charm to it, but it suggests that the person doing the knocking is profoundly uncertain of how to proceed. They live a quiet, sheltered existence, and when confronted by the door of a detective agency, they don't quite know what to do with themselves. It often suggests that the problem that's brought them to the door in the first place is of a similar nature. Unfamiliar, perhaps. Uncomfortable, certainly. But nothing particularly difficult or dangerous. There were, of course, exceptions that proved this rule. If this is another traveling salesman, I'm gonna... Good morning. Sister, whatever you're selling, I'll take two. I beg your pardon? You have it. But why stop there? Jack, excuse my partner, miss. He made it to the office before Wednesday afternoon, and he's feeling his self-congratulatory oats. Uh, won't you please come in? Yes. Yes, thank you. 
Our guest stepped over the threshold with a nervous glance behind her. But whether she was concerned about being followed or just worried someone might see her in such shady company, I couldn't say. She was smartly dressed, a conservative dark number, but a little too fashionable for the librarian routine she was pulling. Her gloves were silk and too pristine to have seen much traffic, and she clutched a small white handkerchief in the same mitt as her handbag, though there was no sign on her alabaster cheeks that she'd recently had need of same. She smelled like jasmine, money, and trouble in reverse order. To judge from the delicate way my partner held out his meat hook to guide the frail stranger to the chair closest to his own desk, it struck me that he might not share this assessment. Here, for the record, are his impressions in his own words, direct from the steno pool. You mean it? Honest and for true, sweetheart. Stop calling me that. No can do. It annoys you even more than it nauseates me. Chop, chop, you know how Sabian hates to be left hanging. Sabian, this is Justice. Jack Justice. Formerly Private Dick, currently Private Secretary. I'm being held prisoner in a Chinese fortune cookie company. Send help at once. I know we've had our differences in the past, my dear Lieutenant. I know we haven't always seen eye to eye vis-a-vis the application of law and order in the big bad city. But sure as you took an oath to protect and serve, I could use a little of both right about now. I'm not asking for much, just a couple of canisters of tear gas through the office window. For old time's sake... We can even make it your birthday present, if you like. What are you doing? Oh, just what you said, boss. Uh Uh-huh. Except if you were describing Winifred Montgomery, you'd be leering. You were smirking. That old square jaw lights up like a neon sign when you think you're getting away with something, so don't bother. Now get back to work. Yes, ma'am. The frail at the door said her name was Winifred. Winifred Montgomery. But it was the way that she said it that impressed me. Her voice was soft and clear and almost unaffected by a mouth made dry from nervousness. She handled herself with poise, but there was always a throb sitting just out of reach, threatening to bring a flood of tears that never quite materialized. I guided her to the best chair in our little parlor and offered her a cup of the day's special blend, which was mostly Brazilian beans with a dark roast layered in. I brought it to her in the cup that was nearly always clean, since it was too nice for either of us to use. The saucer rattled ever so slightly in her trembling hand. She glanced up at me with eyes that were soft and doe-like. Eyes that said, however much she fought to keep her dignity, this doll was in real trouble. I don't know if police detectives enjoy having beautiful women turn to them for help as much as the private sort do. But for your sake, my dear lieutenant, I certainly hope so. All right, that's enough. I was just getting started. This is a report, not a dime novel. Let's keep the purple prose to a minimum. Killjoy. Don tootin'. As I say, Sabian, if the Montgomery Dame's entrance was a dance, she picked the wrong ballroom. It had blackjack swain right enough, but yours truly was skeptical. Still, a case was a case, and we needed one badly enough to let her call the tune a while. Why don't you begin at the beginning, Miss Montgomery? Thank you, Mr. Justice. You're very kind. He's renowned for his kindness. Since this seems to be a subject on which we all agree... I'm afraid I really don't know where to begin. Maybe I could get things rolling. Tricks? As the agency only subscribes to one newspaper, Miss Montgomery, and as his nibs has a tendency to hog the sports page, I am an occasional reader of the society column. I don't recall ever reading your name before you started being seen with Robert Haven, but I certainly have seen a lot of it lately. Robert Haven? As in Haven Department Stores, Haven Aviation, or Haven Light Industries. All of the above, sports fan. Isn't that right, miss? That's right. Robbie's from a good family. That's what they say, isn't it? Sometimes. What do you say? 
I suppose it's easy for a girl to say she doesn't care about a man's money when it's never likely to become an issue. But that doesn't make it any less true. I don't expect you to believe that. No one else does. Ma'am, for $35 a day in expenses, we are prepared to believe a wide range of things. But our approval isn't an issue. Robert's family has a problem with you? His brother Michael does. I've never understood it. Michael is the eldest son. It's he who will inherit the Haven fortune, control the empire. Robert will always be comfortable, it's true. But why Michael should resent his brother's happiness, I can't imagine. It could be just that simple. Is there any other reason you can think of why the elder Master Haven shouldn't welcome such a lovely addition to the family? Don't misunderstand me, Mr. Justice. Robbie and I aren't engaged. Not yet. That's a shame. Jack? But we've spoken of it often. He's given me a ring, and I've accepted. That's what they call engaged where I come from. I do too, Miss Dixon. And in my heart I've never had any doubt. But Robbie is waiting for just the right moment to get his parents' blessing. Why should he need Mommy and Daddy's approval so badly? Robbie's a good boy, Mr. Justice. But he's never had to do a day's work in his life. The Haven Fortune will always be there to prop him up. He'd be lost without it. And if he had to choose between his family and me, well, either way, he'd never have another moment's happiness. And neither would I. Well, those are the players. What's the script? And when does the dashing young detective make his entrance? Jack! I'm sorry, Miss Montgomery. Was there some special reason that Mr. and Mrs. Haven might object to you as a prospective daughter-in-law? Robbie's father is terribly opposed to gambling of any kind. There is a sad history of the vice in the Haven family. Apparently, it almost destroyed more than one family member over the years. Mr. Haven has made it clear that he won't have it. From the time his sons were boys, he told them he'd go as far as to disinherit them if they ever indulged. And in which pool exactly did you wet your beak? I beg your pardon? Forgive my partner's manners. She has a bad habit of cutting to the chase, but the story's not a new one. There are a dozen or more unofficial gaming establishments that cater to an upscale clientele. Would one of them happen to be holding a note with your name on it? Marty Rand. He has a signed promissory note for $10,000. It was all harmless fun. We just got carried away. We? The note was to cover Robbie's losses, wasn't it, Angel? Yes. But you signed it to keep his name out of it. To keep him out of Dutch with Ma and Pa Haven. Yes. And which of the many chickens in my imagination just now has come home to roost? Michael has learned of the note. I don't know how, but I overheard him on the telephone to Rand. He intends to pay $20,000 to buy that note from Marty tonight. It's more than Robbie could raise on such short notice, and once Michael shows that note to his parents, they'd never accept my marriage to their son. And if Robbie stepped in and fessed up, they'd cut him off and the two of you could live happily ever after in the poorhouse. That it? Yes. So where do we come in? I want you to get that note from Rand. Miss... Trixie. Don't Trixie me. Miss... I know right now you can't imagine things getting any worse. Picture your name and Robbie's drifting out of the society pages and onto the front page in company with such fine, upstanding words as riddled and ravine. Then you begin to get the picture. We can pay the 10000 Once that note is out of Michael's hands, we can pay Rand what we actually owe him. We can pay him what's fair. When you do business with certain people, you don't get to decide what's fair. If you won't help me, 
I don't know what I'll do. Trixie didn't mean to imply we wouldn't help. She just wants to make sure you understand the stakes before you roll the dice. Is that what I meant? You can have the ten thousand ready when? Tomorrow, within a few hours, any time during banking hours. There is the small matter of the fee. This is a little above and beyond the usual call. I can give you a cash retainer of five hundred dollars. Will that be enough? Five hundred will be fine. I assume you'd prefer to forego the formality of a contract. Naturally. Here you are, and the number where you can reach me if you have any news. She'd paid up, taken her receipt reluctantly, gazed upon Blackjack as if he were her knight in shining armor, and left, leaving five crisp one hundred dollar bills on the corner of his desk, like a pile of leaves from the apple tree of discord. To say the least, I was unimpressed. To say the most, I was furious. What's the problem now? I thought you'd be happy to have a little paying work. The red ink bottle's almost dry. I thought I could use a break. You thought? There was only one thought in your head from the moment you opened that door, and I don't care to repeat it. Come on, she's a sweet kid in a tight spot. She needs our help, and we need her five hundred dollars. Sweet kid? That dragon lady? You mean to say you fell for that routine? Why don't we just go ahead and tattoo "sucker" right on your forehead? What's the problem? What's the problem? We're supposed to get a ten thousand dollar marker off Marty the Knife Rand without coughing up any dough or topping the better offer he's got from the older brother, and we're gonna do all this for a dame I don't trust as far away as I can spot her roots from. Put the claws away, tricks. Like it or not, that's our client. And that's just what I'm talking about, Bright Eyes. I'm supposed to be your partner. If I don't like it, she's not supposed to be our client. That's how it works. I'm sick and tired of you treating me like the help, Princess. When I start treating you like the help, you'll know it. All right, on your feet and shoot it out.、Oh, young Wild West, huh? Tell you what, lady, this is going to be a breeze. We'll have this wrapped up in a few hours, and all will be right with the world. And this time, a simple "you were right about everything, Jack" again isn't going to cut it. Neither I nor any other soul in Christendom has ever uttered that phrase, and you know it. And when you see how wrong you are. When you see that Miss Winifred Montgomery's been straight with us, and what a simple job this really is, you, sister, get to play secretary for the rest of the week, for real. Pencils, dictation, the whole nine yards. And you get to do the same when we see how wrong you are. Me? Is it a bet or are you chicken? Chicken. <laughs> All right. You got yourself a bet. This is going to be easy pickings. Trust me. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater dot com. If my dear old dad taught me anything, my dear lieutenant, it was to never make a bet when you're angry. It's a good policy, but once again, there are exceptions that prove the rule. Jack was sure our client, the calculatedly helpless Winifred Montgomery, was on the level. He was just as sure that we could recover the ten thousand dollar marker the same Miss Montgomery signed on behalf of her beau, one Robert Haven. This, in spite of the fact that Robert's brother Michael was prepared to pay Marty the knife Rand twice the amount due to stop the marriage, apparently out of spite. And that was my ace in the hole. Michael Haven could like or dislike our client as a prospective sister-in-law. That was his business. But I wasn't exactly her biggest fan, and even I couldn't imagine it being worth a ten thousand dollar loss. Jack had yet to play his hand, but as he dialed the phone, humming tunelessly through his smugly smirking lips, I remembered what Jack's dear old dad had taught him: If you're gonna bet angry, 
Make sure you cheat. Who are you calling? A certain well-known yet completely non-existent gambling parlor downtown. Are you crazy? It's entirely possible. If you come right out and ask for something, you go to the top of the suspect list when they say no, and you steal it anyway. The Eleventh Commandment. I remember. Yes, is Mr. Rand in? I can't wait to hear this scheme. Tell him it's Jack Justice calling. What? You gave him your right name. I noticed that. You didn't really think I was up for a safe-cracking job in an armed camp for the sake of a woman who's unofficially promised to a kid who could buy me with pocket change, did you? None of which explains the phone call. You just gonna ask for the note? More or less. He'll never even take the call. Pick up the extension and keep quiet. Rand's a businessman. He's a businessman with the middle name The Knife. He kept it because it was good for business. He earned it by constantly needing stitches from peeling army potatoes. What? Jack? Jack Justice? Marty. Long time, Private. What do you expect when you choose the wrong side of the law, Sarge? I have a reputation to think of. Well, what about you? You shady enough to be seen in public with a successful businessman like me? Depends what you had in mind. <laughs> you should come down to the club. Let me buy you dinner. Long as you don't serve army hash. No, it's steak every night, Jackie. Just like I always said it'd be in Chow Line. When's the last time you had a good T-bone? <laughs> For all I know, we've signed a peace treaty with the bovine nation. Well, that'll all change now, kid. I could use a level head around here. Marty, Marty, don't understand me too fast. I'm not looking for a job. I'm on one. Oh yeah. Uh, what's the angle? Little matter of a signed note. The Haven account? What's your interest? Strictly middleman. I just want to see everybody happy. That could get expensive, Jackie. Wealthy customers don't much like it when you sell their markers to third parties. Then wealthy customers should pay the bills on time. The note was past due? More than a month old, Jackie. You didn't know? Look, Marty, just give me a chance to make this right. It's bad for business, Jack. Haven won't like it, but for old time's sake. You match the offer, I could put it in your hands. Match the offer? Twenty thousand's a lot of green, Marty. I might need a little more time. Ten o'clock, Jackie. Then you're in or you're out. See you, Sarge. A month past due? That's lie number one. She left something out. Don't start. The important thing is... Rand... It took a lot to stop Jack in his tracks. But the sight of a man-sized shadowy form pressed up near the smoked glass at Red Justice and Dixon was about enough to do it. At Jack's signal, I kept up a stream of one-sided banter about the phone call, the weather, anything I could think of as he reached quietly into his desk drawer and came up with his forty-five. He circled round to come at the door along the wall, and as much as I appreciated the subtlety, I was rapidly running out of material. Finally, Jack sprang into action. He flung open the door, thrust his forty-five well and truly into the still-unseen face, and dragged a hundred and forty-five very well-dressed pounds into the office. How dare you! Let me go at once. I don't know if you'd noticed, Bub, but this is not a tin whistle I've got pressed up against your temple. If I were you, I'd settle down and make nice. You are not me. No, he's not stupid enough to eavesdrop against a window pane, Mr. Haven. Haven? Robert Haven. That's right. Now let me go at once. Sure thing. Now, baby, you'd like to explain. I'm not the one that has to explain. Why was Winnie here? Who's that? Don't give me that. A little old for the jealous boyfriend routine, aren't we? That telephone call you made? Just ordered some Chinese. My partner's crazy for chop suey. That was Marty Rand. Must have misdialed. If Winnie's in trouble, you have to tell me. Not how it works, Mr. Haven. You want to know something? Ask her. All right. That's the way you want to play it. But if anything happens to her, anything at all, I'm going to hold the two of you responsible. And with that, he was gone, leaving only a vapor trail of brill cream fumes in his wake. Jack called our client. 
she wasn't exactly thrilled at the news. I don't know what kind of kamikaze mission she thought she was buying, but our ten o'clock appointment clearly wasn't on her wish list. Jack tried to settle her down, and shortly a messenger arrived with a cashier's check for $10,000 and the promise of another ten within a week or two. I didn't think Rand would go for it, but if he and Old Squarejaw got sentimental over a few war stories, that just might turn the tables in our favor. I wasn't sure how he intended to talk his way out of this one, and in light of our bet, he was playing things even closer to the vest than usual. Before we were quite ready for it, it was ten to ten, and we were making our way to Marty Rand's private sanctum upstairs from his noisy club. The beefcake at the bottom of the stairs gave Jack a quick nod. We were clearly on the guest list. I'd come prepared, just in case we weren't. Mr. Big gave me a considerably less quick nod. More of a slow, lingering up and down with the eyes. When his gaze eventually met mine again, I held it. Just a little too long. And at just the right moment, I let my lips part. Just a little. The gargoyle turned from stone to flesh and looked quickly to his shoes. <laughs> Speechless. The day I couldn't do that anymore would be the day I stopped wearing the little red dress. You want I should leave you two alone? Just smoothing the way for a quick exit. Don't get wise. Here's the door. Mm, nobody around. I don't think Marty's too worried about trouble from these high society types. Hey, Marty. Marty, it's Jack Justice. I don't like this. Don't get excited. Marty? Marty! He's been shot! What in blazes? I'll call an ambulance! He's hurt bad! Marty! Marty! Check that closet. And the door over there! I can't move, Trix. I got the bleeding stop, but I gotta keep pressure on it. Operator, get me an ambulance. I'm in a private office above the Golden Pigeon Gaming Room. Don't just ask any cop on the take where it is. Tell him to hurry! Put that phone down, miss. Trixie, look out! No sudden movements, please. I would hate to spoil that red dress with a bullet hole, to say nothing of its contents. Jack! Got my hands full here. You will put your handbag down on the desk. Michael Haven, I presume. You presume more than is entirely healthy, young lady. Move quickly but smoothly, and take the gentleman's pistol from his shoulder holster. Haven! If he dies, you'll wish his goons got a hold of you first. A strong warning. Am I to understand that you aren't one of those goons? We're detectives, Mr. Haven. Hired to recover a certain $10,000 note. Hired by whom? By its rightful owner. Unlikely. She would never have hired an outsider. What makes you so sure? Because she sent me. Why would Winifred Montgomery send you? Winnie? What has Winnie got to do with this? Come on, Haven. You wanted to use that note to stop your father from letting her marry into your family. Pollute your precious murdering bloodlines. I haven't murdered anyone. I didn't shoot Rand. I've only just arrived. Jack, that hole in Rand's chest wasn't made by Haven's forty-four. It's bad, all right, but it's not that bad. And I have no objection to Robert and Winnie's marriage. I've never seen my brother so happy. Then why'd she hire us, Haven? Oh, no. I said no sudden movements, miss. Mister, you've just got to let me close that window. The one that opens onto the... The fire escape... Too little, too late, Miss Dixon. Winifred? Complete with twenty-two caliber pistol. Oh, no. I see dictation in your future. I see a bullet in each of your futures. What's the matter, Angel? That fire escape not go all the way to the ground? There was only one way out of here, and it was through us. Winnie! What's going on here? Don't give me that, Michael. You know what I wanted. The same thing you were here for. Your marker. His marker? My marker? I heard you negotiating for it with Rand. He knew it was worth more than face value to you, and it was worth a lot more than that to me. Me and Robbie. Robert? You? Oh, he doesn't know. 
He thinks the world of his big brother would never dream of standing up for himself or getting you disinherited so the Haven fortune could pass to us. You're mad. You don't understand. I understand your father hates gambling, hates gamblers. I know what'll happen if he sees the contents of this envelope. No, you don't. And that can never happen. Put down that gun. No, Michael, you put down yours. Robbie! Haven, stop! You don't understand! You had your chance to explain. I see my brother pointing a gun at the woman I love. That's all I need to know. Now drop it! Robert! No! Oh, Robbie! Robbie, you saved me! He'd have killed us both! He's... he's dead. Trixie! Give me that gun, sister. <sighs> don't get excited, Mr. Haven. You're gonna shoot a woman, too? I don't understand... What was this all about? Open that envelope and you'll see. Yes, Robbie. Open it and see. I did this for us. What? You? I can't believe... I killed my own brother for this? But, but Robbie... What have I done? I've been a fool. What have I done? Robbie, no! Robbie! No! Tricks, are you... I'm all right. Here's your gun. The ambulance is on its way. Shoot her if she moves. Where are you going? We got $500 to put this back into its rightful owner's hands. That's just what I'm going to do. Just be by the phone with your knees crossed and a number two pencil. And that, my dear lieutenant, is when I took my leave over the fire escape, ruining my stockings in the process to collect the person whose signature was actually on the $10,000 marker. Mrs. Eleanor Haven, Michael and Robert's mother. She'd been afraid of what her husband would do and enlisted the help of her oldest son. Miss Montgomery had misunderstood the situation and tried to use it to her own advantage, at first by enlisting us to steal the marker, and when that hadn't worked out like she planned, taking it by force. Mrs. Haven was like all gamblers, always willing to risk a little more for the chance to come out even. In the end, gambling had destroyed the Havens, just like the old man always feared. I brought her in to make her statement away from any cameras, and while I was there, you informed me that Jack's old army buddy would pull through and was unlikely to face too many criminal charges for what your boys found downstairs, and that my new secretary had gone back to the office to wait for me. The Haven men looked like heels for a while, but each of them had done what he did to protect a woman he loved. Every once in a while, even a beautiful woman can be on the wrong side, Lieutenant. And luckily, at least someone around here is still smart enough to know it. Period. End of report. Think you're pretty clever, don't you? There's a difference between thinking it and knowing it, kid. Type that up and have it on my desk in the morning. I'm gonna go catch some Z's. Fine, fine. Whatever. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Blackjack Justice, episode 13, The Purloined Format Caper, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices provided by Julie Florio, Scott Moyle, Stephen Burley, and Tim Vant. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, decoderingtheater.com is your address to adventure. 
Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keep on all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. The National Safety Council warns Americans that the most common accidents occur within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going out to check the mail. What? what? Wow! Oh, wow! Yes, it's the time you think you're the safest, that you're in the most danger. Within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going out to get the paper. National Safety Council advises that you use extreme caution whenever you are within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going to let the cat out. <coughs> to be completely safe, never come within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, pass the ketchup, will you? Pass what? The ketchup! Okay, here it comes! Tomorrow, we'll discuss the threat of killer condiments. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you bleeding? I can't tell. Oh.